This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here today, we're going to talk about something that's kind of uh, near and dear to a lot of us, and that's uh, agency lending. For In particular, this is a special report on the November 17th FHFA announcement, that's the Federal Housing Finance Agency that uh, impacts Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, you know, quote, the enterprises or the agencies. There's been a a decent amount of information bouncing around in the mobile home park, manufactured housing park uh, space the last couple days. I've seen some people say, don't worry, it's nothing new. I've seen some people say, the sky is falling, rates are going to go through the roof. So I decided to do a little homework here this uh, beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Kansas City and, and read this thing for myself. And you guys get the benefit of it. Uh, whether or not I'm right, I guess you can look up look it up on your own. But uh, here's how I see it. So diving in, what are these purchase caps? Well, basically, FHA, FHFA has reduced from $80, million, $80 billion down to $70 billion the amount of uh, funds available to lend for each of the enterprises. So that's not a huge deal, frankly. The bigger the bigger issue is at least 50% needs to be for affordable housing. That's up from 37.5%. And for MHPs in mobile, mobile home parks or manufactured housing communities, however you want to you wanna call it, same difference really, they either have to be A, resident, government, or nonprofit owned. Well, that's pretty few and far between. Or B, they must have tenant pad lease protections to be counted as mission-driven. Okay, the key here is without the mission-driven, you could be looking at interest rates, you know, anywhere from 25 to, you know, I think, I think I've seen as high as 80 basis points people have uh, have referenced. This are, These articles I read today didn't really reference that, um, but I'm hearing more like 30 bips, which is, is not insignificant, pretty much puts a lot of the financing more in the apartment space interest rate, which uh, is not as attractive as we've been used to here the last couple of years in mobile home parks. So the, those are the three of the first key points. The fourth key point would be that this only covers the first four quarters of the 2021 calendar year. So it might behoove you to close before year end. If you were like, I'm looking at a deal right now, it's about 2.72 million. I'm under contract on and, and that that's pretty good. That'll qualify for Fannie Mae. It's too small for Freddie Mac, uh, small balance sheet loan, but it's it qualifies for Fannie Mae. Well, I was planning on that being a January close. Well, I may looking at this, I may want to determine I need to get this thing closed before the end of the year. So anyway, um, diving in, um, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not going to do the interest rates." It's just it's just having you know some just just some new provisions in your leases. Okay, well the lender may be able to tell you, "Oh, it's no big deal, just a lease addendum." Okay, well I'm an operator. Okay, and I'm a lawyer, so I kind of care about what that lease addendum says, and I've not seen anybody else post anything on this. So I, I dug in, and I looked at the FHE announcements, I looked at the Appendix A, I looked at the multifamily fact sheet, and it doesn't tell you what these stupid provisions are. It just says it's in the duty to serve. So the last reliable source that I found is the uh, duty to serve. Let's say here, spotlight on, spotlight on 
underserved markets, tenant protections and manufactured housing communities. So here's the meat for today. There are eight lease provisions. And if you think these are no big deal, here's what the stats would say. Uh, this Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they looked at their loans and for 2000, as of, as of 2018, only 35% of the loans that they issued had five of the eight provisions. Only 43% of the loans had lease provisions that had four of the eight tenant protections. So clearly, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they're looking to implement more tenant protections. This is kind of like the government getting involved in your business. I'm not saying this is onerous as a Section 8 or a Section 42 or low-income housing tax credit, or certainly not as onerous as rent control, but these are not... They're just not in leases, uh, by and large. And there's in several states don't have any of these tenant protections in place. So I'm in the process of doing a state-by-state -state, uh, template lease, and I'm doing a state-by-state -state review of landlord-tenant law. But for purposes of agency lending, these are going to be the new rules unless you want to pay a premium on your interest rate. Um, so here we go. Eight provisions are, number one, a one-year renewable lease term unless there's good cause for non-renewal. Okay, a lot of people in the industry, they like to do month-to-month -month leases or, and then non-renew them for people that are problem, ch problem children. This is going to make that harder, one-year minimum lease. Several states already have that. Some states like Illinois, you have to offer a two-year lease. Uh, so that's not a huge deal to me. Okay, 30-day written notice of rent increases. That's not a big deal to me either. Um, some states are 90. Um, number three, a five-day grace period for rent payments and the right to cure defaults on rent payments. The five-day grace period is not a big deal to me. I have that in my template lease anyway. Um, because a lot of states do require it, so it just makes it easier. Uh, but the the right to cure, you know, that's a little little more of a challenge because sometimes I choose not to accept a tenant rent um, and say, nope, you're in default, you're out. And it gets it's a good chance to get rid of a bad apple. So it's a little harder. Number four, the right to sell the manufactured home without having to first relocate it out of the community. That's only a problem if the person's got a junky house, frankly. I, I don't think I have that come up very often. Number five, this one, this one kind of pisses me off. The right to sell the manufactured home in place within a reasonable time period after eviction by the manufactured housing community owner. And elsewhere I saw that it should have been 45 days. So based on this, they can, the person cannot pay you. You can evict them, and normally that's kind of your muscle. Is you, is that you They either pay or you're going to take their house you know, through a number of legal procedures. But now they're saying, no, 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 they have a right to sell it. And well, that next person they sell it to may try to move it out. May try to, they may try to sell it to a sex offender. So there, I think there's still going to, it's still implied. I think that I have to, if I'm on the park, I have to approve the next tenant. Um, I also think this is a good chance to put a right of first refusal um, in your lot lease so that they do sell it. You have the right to, to match the terms within a reasonable time so that the home can't be moved out. Um, but back to this regular scheduled programming, no sidebar here. Uh, number six, the right to sublease or assign the pad site lease for the unexpired term to the new buyer of the tenant's manufactured home without any unreasonable restraint. Okay, I think that's a little bit of a problem. I don't like having tenants have the right to assign or sublease their, their interest unless I say so. Now, here I'm getting, I, I can still stop it, but without any unreasonable restraint. So that's not probably not too big a deal, but it could get gray. I mean, to me, it's unreasonable if the next guy makes less money. If the next guy, you know, has a criminal background, the next guy has eviction background. So, what is the unreasonable? I think it would it'd be pretty obvious if the if they tried to sell it and assign the right or assign their lease rights to a sex offender that I could block it. But what if it's a guy that, you know, just went to jail for drug distribution but it was five years ago? 
maybe I don't want him in here. Maybe I wouldn't have wouldn't have approved him, but he's already served his time in jail. He's already been remediated according to the law. Now I'm stuck with him. Number seven, right to post for sale signs. That doesn't bug me at all. Frankly, I think I'd be a, a jerk if I didn't allow that. Uh, number eight, right to receive at least 60 days notice of planned sale or closure of the manufactured housing community. Okay, the 60 days on the planned sale, that's a little gray. I mean, if I want to sell my park and I want to list it for sale, do I have to notify all the tenants I'm, I'm planning on selling it? Or do I only have to notify them if I'm under contract to sell? Well, a lot of contracts drop. I mean, most landlords, most owners, they don't want the tenants to know that the property's for sale. They don't want people looking around, looking for an offering random, seeing what this thing's worth, seeing what the price is, and then getting itchy about, uh, you know, I'm paying rent to this guy, he's making all this money. And then also, a lot of times, um, tenants stop paying the current landlord. I have to happen all the time when I'm buying that there's a bunch of bad collections at the last minute. I think that because they know that the landlord's not going to evict them, one, to pay the legal fees, but two, to decrease occupancy right before a sale. So... This one's a little frustrating, especially because it's it's gray to me right now, and I'll have to do some more de- more digging. But I wanted to get this report out sooner or later. You know, is the plan sale once I'm under contract, or is the plan sale when I'm getting ready to list it with the with the broker, or put it or, you know put it on the internet for sale? So anyway, those are the eight provisions that need to be, and these are minimum protections, by the way, that need to be in your lease. So you know, ultimately, are these that big of a deal? That's I mean, that's a that's a person by person decision. Um, you know, frankly, I've already got some of these in my lease. So overall, I would say, you know, on a, on a, you know, A to F schedule, how painful are these? I would say they're like a B, frankly. They're not, they're not that horrible, but it, but it is just another opportunity for the government to be in your kitchen. And it feels like the slippery slope could be coming. Now they're, they, they, they get you here with a little bit, you know, they give them an inch. They're gonna, you know, they give him, they give him, give him, go for the mile next. It just feels like that to me. It just feels like, you know, you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to ask for a glass of milk here. And that's a little scary. So anyway, like I said, I've got a property under contract that I'm pers- planning on an agency debt, but yeah, I'm going to watch this closely. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a local bank simultaneously. So I may just go to the local bank. Obviously, the downside local bank is the recourse. Um, but the, the upside of, you know, going with the agency is, is ideally an in, a lower interest rate. And if I close before the end of the year, I can uh, seemingly get out of these eight provisions. But we each need to look at them. We each need to evaluate them. Again, these are the duty to serve and tenant protections as part of the November 17th FHFA this is multifamily loan purchase caps. That's kind of the, the general topic for today. So feel free to leave comments uh, below or shoot me a question if you got one. Till next time. Be smart, be safe, God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.